What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the White Tail Bloodline Podcast. This is episode number 88. I'm your host, Gavin Sauters, and I got my trusted co-host once again, John Boyd, the Kansas King. What's going on, brother? What's going on, man? I'm super excited to get this podcast rolling here. Yep, me too, man. It's going to be a great one. We got old Kirk Geyer. He's uh, the one that started working class Bowhunter. I think he's been there since day one, right? Yep, I believe so. I think he is the one that got this thing, this ball up and rolling. Yep, and uh, just to my knowledge, I do quite a bit of studying. You know me, I'm kind of a numbers guy. And uh, as far as I know, they're they're definitely top three podcasts, oh, yeah. podcasts out there. So, Absolutely. Me, myself, I put them as number one, but that's just me. That's my opinion. That's not looking at numbers. That's just my opinion. So yep, I'm take right it for what it is. And uh, for, for the listeners, this podcast would not be here today if it wasn't for Working Class Bowhunter. They're the one that gave me the inspiration to actually start the podcast. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and I like I like that, uh, you know, they kind of started kind of where we're, you know, where we're starting from, you know, from the very bottom and just working your way to the top and just grinding it out, man. I love that about Working Class Bowhunter. Yep, man. They were, uh, they started from the bottom. They were, don't mean it in a bad way, but they were nobody when they started, you know, and now they're uh, basically a household name in the hunting industry. So it's pretty Absolutely awesome. are. Yeah. Yeah, man. If you, if you say, if you say working class bow hunter, I mean, if you're a diehard hunter, you immediately know who somebody's talking about. Cause you see the, you immediately in your head, you see the logo and you see their faces and you know who, you know who it is. Yep. My favorite thing about them is they're raw. And they're real, man. They don't try to hide much or hide anything, really. They're just who they are. And if you like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. And that's that's exactly how we are. That's right, man. What do you think, so brother? I, you ready to get him on the phone here? Yeah, man. Let's give him a holler and let's get old Kurt Geyer on the phone. Let's do it. Mr. Kurt, how you doing, brother? What's up, man? How are you? Pretty good, man. We're super excited to get you on the podcast today man been a long time coming brother well thanks man i appreciate you guys having me i've never recorded a podcast through this oh really yeah, it's, it's not bad bro this is honestly the easiest way you can do it i've been doing this for years this year hopefully we're going to get a little more official and uh, start doing video podcasts like you guys are it's not worth it <laughs> you know what dude kurt i always say that i have the face for this type of podcast so you do not have to look at me the whole freaking time dude i'm the same i hear you i agree with you there like i feel the same way here's the thing dude i don't care what anybody fucking says i'll argue to the death on this this is podcasting like what we're doing podcasting isn't the fucking videos and all the shit and all the editing and all that that's a late night show is what that is Oh, yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, I agree. With you. I like it, keeping it easy and raw. Well, it's not a podcast after that. That's the that's what made podcasting popular is the rawness of it. Now everybody's making this a production, and it's no longer a podcast. It's something else. Yeah, right on, man. So, so help help my fight with that because everyone's like, what, "What do you think the future of the podcast is?" I'm like, "That it's got to remain a podcast, or it's not a podcast." Yeah. So there's my go back to the roots of it, huh? Yeah, that's what I think, man. Kurt, it's really cool to kind of try to get you to get you on our podcast because you know you and I did one a couple of years ago about that that little dink that I shot. So it's really cool to be <laughs> here getting you on our podcast, man. It's kind of surreal. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you bringing me on, dude. I'm, I'm, I always like doing this stuff, and so it's cool to talk to real, real, real dudes of the game. So much appreciated. Yeah, yeah man. Kurt, I, like I was saying pre-podcast, 
this podcast, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you and what you created, man. Because you were the one, the reason I got the inspiration to start this podcast. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate that credit, man, for sure. Well, all right, man. Kurt, uh, what do you want to jump right into, man? Do you want to talk about your most recent deal? You want to talk about that turkey that you killed on your own on your own ground? I don't care. We can talk about that turkey, but dude, if you want to know, I don't give a fuck about turkeys right now at all. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just saying, I don't Kurt. Even, I'm ready to talk <laughs> so, if you want me to touch on it, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, it's it's significant to me, you know. But uh, right. Um, I'm just bored with them now. It's just, it's been not, it's been too much Turkey Yeah, guys. You know, I'm down for whatever. Um, you know, I went to Africa. I did my mountain lion hunt. I killed that coos deer in Mexico, killed two bucks last year, killed an elk. Um, I mean, what, anything like that, I think bigger game stuff is more interesting right now. So yeah, I I, I agree with that, man. The the coos deer is going to be awesome because Gavin and I were talking about that, that we've never had anybody on us kill the coos deer so that's going to be really kick ass cool yeah I'll, whatever you guys want to do man i'm i'm along for the ride so yeah man absolutely so let's let's touch on that first kurt let's go into this coos deer hunt why why or no let me back up let me back up here let me back up this is us kurt like we say we keep this shit raw right <laughs> you got you got to man oh uh, yeah so kurt like i say you you know, you got into the podcast game, you know, let, let's start with that. You know, where, where did you start out with, you know, just even getting into hunting, you know, where did that passion just fire up in you? Um, like hunting in general, I started when I was, uh, I don't know, around 10 with my dad. Uh, my dad always hunted like small game growing up and, um, really like what I, I remember the day we actually, my dad got like the fire lit up under him again to do like deer hunting. Um, he said when he was younger, there just wasn't a ton of deer to hunt, you know? So he did like rabbits, uh, pheasants, stuff like that. But one of my cousins had shot a buck, a small buck during Illinois shotgun season. We were down like visiting family for like, uh, you know what I mean? It's like coming into like Thanksgiving and stuff. And he had the buck in the back and I remember my dad like, yeah, we're getting into this. And then really that's what like fired it off. Like we got into it. And then, uh, I'm fortunate that I just got like instantly passionate about it and just had the right role models around. And I just got into it. And then, uh, wanted to get into bow hunting. I gun hunted for a few years with no, with no luck. And then my second day bow hunting, I killed my first deer and, uh, that kind of that you know that's why i've always leaned a little heavier on bow hunting it always seemed more possible for me i guess from the rip so that's crazy man it's like you couldn't get it done with the gun got one got it done that's freaking crazy dude like i had to hunt with a gun first get that done and then you know kind of baby steps that's really cool man that's an accomplishment itself yeah you know it was it was cool and i remember like my dad saying like hey you know my dad was like kind of prepping me to like understand how difficult it's gonna be he's like hey you know i know a lot of guys that i work with that bow hunt and they've been bow hunting for 10 years and they've never killed anything you know so this could be like a a struggle you know mm-hmm. and uh it just worked out man you know it just all aligned and um killed my first deer uh just a uh you know a nice doe and uh it was it was a good feeling but i think from there it just got me hooked to it and i became more and more obsessed with it and looking back i'm i'm fortunate that i was like as passionate about it from the rip as i was because i didn't have any like buddies or like kids my age that hunted like i hunted you know really and all the way in through high school 
like in my high school, I was like really the only serious hunter or really? bow hunter. Yeah. So like, you know, now looking back, it's like amazing that I was, I had kept interest in it as strong as I did all the way through, you know? Well, because a lot of those things, it's like if you have nobody to share it with, there to do it with you, it doesn't make it as fun. You know, I kind of went to the same thing yeah. with you. My dad was a, my dad was a small game hunter. You know, he hunted pheasants, quail, real heavy like that. And as we're out pheasant hunting and stuff, I'm seeing all these big deer, and I'm like, you know, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I kind of same thing. I had to, you know, self-taught is what I had to do. Go out there, do it, make all the damn mistakes myself, and just kind of blossom from there, man. Yeah. For sure. You know, and I was fortunate. My dad was super involved with me. And so that kept me into it, you know, like that relationship kept, I think is what kept me uh, passionate about it through all the years until, until, you know, like I could fully control who I was around all the time. Like after high school, like completely picked what I did, who surrounded myself with. And then the podcast, you know, came, you know, shortly after, not, not like right after high school, of course, or nothing like that, but um, mm-hmm. kind of found like the right crew to surround myself with that just kind of uh, that keep me motivated. But I, but I'd be doing it anyway, if I didn't have this group, it definitely makes me a better hunter having the people that I've surround myself with, you know, I try to yeah. surround myself with killers. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that's beneficial. So if you're a bad hunter and you're listening, find killers and hang out with them. It helps. <laughs> it does, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so Kurt, what, what year did you start working class bell hunter podcast? So we, um, we technically, we started it, um, in 2014, um, oh, we, launched our, we launched our first episode in, tw- um, early 2015, the first episode aired like March 2nd, 2015 was the very first episode, but, um, I had known about it was buying equipment, had like started all the pages, basically got the website going and stuff. And like. I don't know, September of 2014 or something like that, or maybe even a little before. Well, so that's okay. cool. Cause so you kind of started getting it going really before podcast was cool. Basically. Well, nobody, nobody knew what it was. Um, mm-hmm. Really? I mean, there, I mean, people knew what it was, but like generally people didn't know what it was. And, and it's funny because like, you know, we do a lot of the trade shows and stuff and like the first three years of us doing trade shows, was us more we were trying to hustle our own brand what we did inside of like the podcasting niche but it ended up us more hustling what a podcast was in general and then by the time we got through explaining that whoever we were explaining it to was done listening to us by then (laughs) i don't think i honestly listened to a podcast until like 2017 to 2019 like obviously i started with joe rogan probably like a lot of people well, that's where I started too. You know, I started when Joe Rogan, like, I think at the time, well, I, you know, I had been listening to podcasts for a couple of years. Like, you know, Joe Rogan did his podcast in his house. Um, and he had, uh, Brian Redband, I think was like his co-host at the time. And like, I remember watching like Joe Rogan was doing a reaction video to two girls, one cup. And I remember that's how I found like his podcast. <laughs> oh my God. And, and uh, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like I knew Joe Rogan, but I'm like, oh damn, he's got like a web show is what I thought it was. And then I got into it. But then I started listening to like, remember Tom Green had a show like in his mm-hmm. house. And then I, you know, I was into that stuff. And and then, but I was also into like filming my hunts and hunting. And I'm like, well, I know I want to do something hunting related for a living if I can help it. 
Um, and I did like this internet show thing with a couple other guys and, um, I kind of got to the point where I was like, yeah, fuck this. Like I'm going to start a podcast. I couldn't find any hunting podcast that really related to like things I like or really spoke to me. And, and e even just on a, a small level, like the vibe of it. Um, and, uh, I started one, I was a heavy equipment operator slash just grunt at my job. And I'm like, well, fuck, I'll just call it working class bone or podcast and we'll just get on there and talk shit. And then, uh, yeah, that's how we started I love it, pretty man. much. I love it. That's awesome, man. Shit, <laughs> though, right there in the name, you know, working class bow hunter. You know, every, you know, it seems like your biggest audience of guys that are, are bow hunters, in my opinion, are the guys that, you know, work the eight to five jobs every damn day. That's the kind of people that you want. Yeah, you know, it's like, that's where I listened to podcasts was at work, you mm -hmm. know, like that's what got me. Like when I started the podcast, I, I mean, there's no sugarcoating. I hated my job. Like I hated it bad. And, um, you know, monster energy and freaking podcast is what got me through my days every day. You know, like, um, I shoveled sand every day, all day, basically. And, um, just thought about going hunting or doing something related. So, um, that uh, podcast got me through my day. So I'm like, well, this is getting me through my day. You know, if I did a podcast or if people actually listen to my podcast, I'm hopefully getting guys through their work day, but, but you know, it's, it's not just for like, you know, I think people take that term working class and they, I think they, um, they down it down to just people that work shitty jobs. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I look at like working classes more as a mindset, um, in an attitude than it is just like what class of job you have. Right. Yeah. I can, I can see that, you know, just cause the guys that work in, you know, the offices, you know, in New York city does not mean that they're not the working class. Like you said, it's a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, thing too, is just like, you know, if a guy starts at the bottom of his, uh, of the company and he works hard and he's got like a go getter mindset, the next thing you know, in five years, he's, you know, a supervisor or a manager or working his way up and gets equity in the company. Um, I feel like it's offensive to tell that dude that he's not working class when in reality, he's probably worked harder than everybody else. There. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. If you're, if you're grinding it out and you're working hard, you know, you're providing for your family and everything else. I definitely would think that that makes you working class. You know, you're not a bum sitting on the couch seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of that perspective, like, when, when I went full time, a lot of people was like, well, what are you going to call your podcast now? Cause you're not working class anymore. It's like, Oh, all right. That's how you, you view it. Okay. That's not how I view it. Yeah. No, dude, you probably put more hours in than a lot of those people do. I work more hours at the podcast than I did when I worked at John Deere. Yeah. I can see it, dude. I can see it. Cause you're a busy guy, man. It's, it's hard to, you know, hard to get you a spot. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good problems, you know, but, um, but that doesn't mean though, like, you know, that being said, I, I work a, uh, I don't know what you call it, an unconventional schedule. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with here, like I'm going to work tonight. I'm here at the studio. Like I did family time, had dinner, put the kids down, um, drove here. I'm recording this with you guys. And then I'll be here for, I don't know how long afterwards, um, working. So, um, but you know, I might work here till, two in the morning tonight. And then I might, uh, what some people would consider sleeping in tomorrow. Um, 
but then I'll be working all day and then I'll be doing the same thing tomorrow night. So, right. Right. Um, just depends. Every day is a little different. That's the beauty of it. Well, dude, it's just like, you know, I got guy, I know one of my neighbors right here, one of my best friends, you know, he works night shift at the battery plant over in Hayes. You know, his schedule's just different. It's just kind of like yours. You know, he sleeps all day and then gets up at five o'clock and then, you know, goes off to work, comes back at seven in the morning and does it all again. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you've worked during the day, you know, doesn't make you, you know, just your hours are different. Oh yeah. And like during hunting season, I don't sleep. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it gets crazier, but you know, that's the nice thing about like kind of being your own boss. I can kind of control what I do when I do it. And then, uh, but you know, it's like at John Deere, you could be like, God, I'm not feeling well today. I'm going to go hide and nobody knows what the fuck he did. And then at home, <laughs> like if I just don't work on stuff, it just doesn't get done period, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, that's right. yeah, but anyway, that yep, kinda, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that I have that. I have those times in the wintertime when we're doing stuff in the shop and I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel like taking all these bearings out today. I think I'm going to go sit over there in the recliner on Instagram for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, totally different thing. You know, like I say, when you're your own boss, if you're not doing the work, it does not get done. Just plain yeah. and simple. For sure. So, Kurt, one thing I'm kind of curious about, I, I would assume you're more like me. You, I know I've heard you say this on your podcast. You guys have tried never to miss a week since you've been uh, doing your podcast. And I bet since this is like your full-time job, you probably put even more time into making these podcasts even better. So it's probably even more work, right? Yeah, it's more work. Like you want to put out um, – see, I feel like I've had – I've gone a long time. You get in your rhythm on like how to make them better, like sound quality – what's engaging, but also at the same time, the more you do it, it, it's, it's hard to not fall in a pattern of doing the same podcast every year during the same time of year. Like, Oh, um, my buddy over here killed a Turkey. I owe him his Turkey podcast every spring. I want a podcast with my friend, but for the audience, it's like, if I just do that forever, I just, does that make sense? Kind of like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. How many times can you talk about the rut? You well, know, you know I mean, like, there's a lot of things there, but it's like, you can't, like you said, you can't have the same thing every year of uh, what's your favorite week of the rut, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we're, we're fortunate with our platform is we're not um, like, there's a lot of people that uh, like to put on a, they're more of an educator style in their podcast and how they conversate with people and we're more a bullshit joke around and educate with you through in between all that. And I feel like if we were the educate you, blah, 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 like kind of dry, I'd run out of shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, we're, I, and I think we're just dumb enough and drunk enough. Some episodes <laughs> that we can talk about the same stuff three weeks in a row and you're going to get something served different out of all of it. you know? Dude, that was like that was like that night I was watching your guys' live, and you guys were sitting there in a the bar. You guys were bringing up bullying and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, that's what's that's what's entertaining. You know, all these different subjects that you go off on, laughing and having a good freaking time about it. Yeah, and I'm normally the one that gets kind of sinister and has, like, the strongest opinions about things, and then everyone <laughs> leaves me, like, treading in dark water, and, and it just makes for some... <laughs> That's Gavin. That That's Gavin. Must, must be a hoax troll, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have it. I think it's. I think that's true. <laughs> For sure. Well, all right, For man. Sure. We kind of 
kind of got your story about you had got you know working class bow hunter rolling i want to jump into this coos deer hunt man i really want to talk about this coos deer hunt you know what like what in your mind made you think i want to go on a freaking coos deer hunt in mexico you know what yeah. I'm saying? yeah i didn't that's the thing i didn't have that thought in my mind really um yeah and i and i'll kind of give you the breakdown what what put that thought in my mind uh so my good buddy devin leonard uh shout out to devin he's like one of the most fun people you'll ever meet he goes to mexico every year and he's gone every year for the last i think 13 years and it's always on his birthday um so he goes every january well He's always talking about Mexico and all this. Hey, you should come to Mexico, man. Hunt coos deer with me. You should come to Mexico. And I'm just like, nah, I don't know. Does it one? It sounds sketchy because I hear all the stories, you know, like oh, yeah. all, all the stories he doesn't publicly talk about. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that just sounds super sketch. And uh, so what happened was, so Devin owns a company called called Hunters Box Club. And uh, I did so not I'm, know he owned that. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So. Um, it's just for people who don't know, it's a monthly, um, subscription box. You get a, a badass hunting t-shirt and like one to three bonus items every month. And, uh, they're different theme boxes and shirts and stuff like that. Well, we were running a promo, uh, this fall and we did a WCB box and we sold them a hundred boxes and, uh, we hold the record for the most, um, if you want to quote influencer, most boxes sold per influencer. So we, we hold that record. And I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to up this this record even more. He goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, if you sell a hundred more boxes, I'll take you to Mexico to kill coos deer with me. Yep. And I I'm, remember you talking about that on the podcast. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. So we did a podcast, and I just straight up said to our listeners, hey, if we sell a hundred more boxes, Devin told me he's going to take me to Mexico. Like, basically, like I'll pay for my flight. He's going to take me, cover everything, pay for my tag, all that. And uh, we sold like 400 more boxes. Are you serious? Yeah. And uh, so I gave a big shout out to everybody who did that. And thank you again, anybody that's listening. Um, thanks for, for subscribing. But Devin calls me. He's like, you got to go to Mexico now. We're going to Mexico. <laughs> and he's fucking yelling at me, you know, and I'm like, all right, we're going. I'm nervous a little. So um, basically went to archery trade show. Devin came out for that. I think he came out to ATA. Fuck. I don't even remember. My days are all mixed up. Anyway, um, I left for uh, Mexico like right after ATA. So, um, yeah, we went down and had quite the experience, man. It was uh, full-blown Mexico. Um, saw some good coups, some good muleys, ate some good food, ate some bad food, <laughs> hung out with some the cartel a little bit. All sorts of stuff. So. Heck yeah, man! Yeah, Did you pick cool. up some coke from them, or what'd you do? <laughs> Did you get something from them? Some guns, or <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I was wondering um, if you got if you saw some cartel or at least some illegals or something. I uh, I will tell you this. So when we did the Mexico, okay, I'll give you a little tidbit, and I, and I kind of spread this out over a couple episodes um that way like real listeners can kind of put the puzzle together do you know what i'm saying like yeah not just like the flash in the pan oh, i'm just gonna listen and see what this was about but if you listen for a few episodes in a row and i think so i tell the story on ours and then i guested with clint on our cc hump file series and then i let all like the steamy details so then you can kind of piece the two episodes together but uh 
one night we did stay at a cartel house. I'll tell you that. Really? Did yeah. you? I gotta ask. Did you like find cocaine in the walls, or I mean, how'd you know it was a cartel I, house? Come on now, I'm curious. You gotta spill I it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't give you too much. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Um, in one of the podcasts we recorded in Mexico, you can we we did a we did a podcast in the kitchen of this house. And you can hear the cartel on the radio in the background while the podcast is recorded. What? I swear to God. So if you go back and listen to one of those episodes, you'll hear some background noise. It's me, Martin, and Devin, and you can hear the radio. That's the cartel 20 feet from us in the kitchen doing their thing. Wow, that's wild. I remember seeing a picture of you with, like, uh, the Mexican Border Patrol or Mexican police or something. That was the Army. Okay. Yeah, so that the story behind that, everyone thought that was the cartel. Um, that so right when we we're going to a different camp and we're getting dropped off, and Devin's like, "Oh, I know where we're going. I've been here before." And we we're going to hunt this other ranch. And right when pavement ended, the army just came out and stopped us and searched through all of our shit. Really wow. came out of the bushes, pulled out like yeah, three truckloads full of dudes and guns and. Um, they were pretty cool. I was pretty nervous. I was like, fuck, what's going to happen? Like, like, are we doing something wrong? And I, I, I wouldn't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, Devin is just, does not care about like the dangers of Mexico. Like he kind of finds it like exhilarating, uh, which is, which is comforting and, um, discomforting all at the same time. But he's like, Hey, can we get a picture, picture, picture? And then they were like, yeah, you can. And so <laughs> damn, man. Uh, this is, this is explaining a lot of how, of you know, man, I had questions about all the tattoos there, Kurt, and this explains how you're affording to all these shows and everything. Yeah. I knew you ranked good with somebody, man. It's a freaking cartel. Come I gotta. <laughs> I'm I'm connected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not, but uh, I'll just stay vague. How's that? I'll just stay vague. Just don't. <laughs> no one should just mess with me more than they think they probably should. We'll just say that, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So, so I'm saying this shit on the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, it's all good, man. You gotta have fun with it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. man, so this coos hunt, so this coos deer hunt, right? Okay, so now you gotta tell us about the hunt, like when you shot him and all this shit. Yeah, so this is uh, this makes this story, uh, it's kind of spicy. So, I'll give you the rundown. I'll, I'll bring it up to like the cartel house. So we hunted on another great ranch and we were, we saw a lot of deer. Um, we just didn't see the caliber of deer we were looking for. And, uh, we moved ranches. So Devin's like, Hey, I hunt on this other ranch, but it's in cartel country, but there's not a ton of coups, but there's good coups. And I think we can find one. So we drove like six hours, um, stay in a couple strange cartel houses the last night we stay in one, like it, I, I, I can't get too into detail, but, um, so last morning we, we hunt or, uh, we're like last two days seeing cartel in the mountains doing human trafficking, all this stuff. Like while we're hunting, dude, it was crazy. What? And then, uh, yeah, like they're all over. Um, we were like sitting there glassing against this, uh, rental truck Jeep that we had. And we we're glassing this hillside that we can hunt and uh, we're sitting there and we hear, someone whistle and I look and there's this like little Mexican kid in front of me and uh, like saying something to us in Spanish. We're just like, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, don't speak <laughs> Spanish. And uh, 
So anyway, didn't find any of the deer we wanted to find. Uh, we actually, the, the second to last night, we spotted nine does and no bucks. So we're like, oh, fuck, what's the chances of that? So go back, sleep at the cartel house, get up the next morning, and we're flying out the next, that morning, that day. So the next morning, we're fl- supposed to fly out that day. And I'm in an area where I don't have internet. There's no service. Um, we had Starlink at the other ranch. So I texted my wife, said, hey, here's about where I'm going to be. It's cartel country. I won't have any way of getting a hold of you. So oh, I'm sure that like, she was just totally comfortable with that, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. Like, but, you know, she, I, I'm with good people, you know, and whatever. So we, uh, <laughs> so the next morning we get up, Devin's like, all right, let's just get up on the mountain. We'll get up there in the dark. We'll glass, and then if we don't see anything, one hour, we'll pack up. We got to go. Then we're going to get the Tucson and fly out, and you guys head home. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we get up on the mountain. It's the same mountain we glassed the day before, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And Devin goes up the hill a little bit, and we have a radio because we don't have cell phones. like We can't text. And uh, me and Martin are sitting there glassing on the other side. And it's getting to the point like we're about at an hour and I've like, I kind of got my binos down. I'm like, ah, we're not going to find the buck. Like this, here it is. It's like the, 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 the buzzer's already buzzed, you know, game was over. Mm-hmm. And then I hear on the radio, get up here, get up here, fucking giant, get up here, giant. And I'm like, oh fuck for real. So we get up, you get up to Devin, see this buck. He's moving. I'm trying to get on him. And by the way, these deer are like impossible to find. Like they look, they blend in with their terrain. It's, it's absolutely insane. You can glass a hillside for two hours and then be like, oh shit, there's one. And how many times did I glance over that deer, you know? Dang. So it's Devin had found the buck. And then once I got up there, it was like, okay, can you find this buck? And then I found him. Well, then we try to stop him. And I think this buck hears us and he beds down. So, and I can't shoot him in his bed where he's at because we're rifle hunting. And, uh, so I'm looking at my watch or my phone, you know, I'm like, fuck, it's time to go. Like, we got to go now or we're going to be late. But I'm not leaving this buck. It's the best buck of the trip. And uh, so Martin, he can't see it. So he runs down the hill back where we're at to see if he can find it again bedded so we can get a better shot at it. Well, our radios die. We have no way to communicate. Like, you know, at home, you just text each other. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting there set up on him. And Devin's got like his jacket over my head because the sun's like blasting me in the face. So I'm trying to be, see through the scope. So he's got his jacket draped over me while I'm like set up waiting for this deer to stand up. Well, this deer stands up, boom, blast him, roll him. Uh, Martin actually got it on film. He was just ready filming, waiting for this deer. And he saw the buck getting like fidgety. So got the kill on film, got all the celebration on film. We get up there take pictures, high five, hooting, hollering, clean this deer. I throw it on my shoulders, run it off the mountain, get everything going, throw it in. Then I'm like, fuck, dude, we got to run back to the ranch. We got to do all the paperwork, get this thing skinned, all this stuff. And he goes, we're going to make your flight. We're going to make it. Well, then we fucking, Devin lost his wallet. And it's got all this shit in it. And I don't have cash on me. Devin had all the cash and we find it. It was underneath his floor mat. It fell underneath his floor mat. So we're late already. So keep in mind at home, my wife thinks, you know, within an hour, I'm going to call her and tell her I'm at the airport. 
and mm-hmm. she hasn't heard from me. And it goes on three hours past when I was supposed to leave, and we're still in Mexico skinning this coos out. Oh. <laughs> and uh, anyway, get it skinned, all that stuff. Um, leave it with the ranch guys so they can handle all that stuff. And then we get to Tucson, and I just reschedule my flight for the next day and whatever. And Devin hung out with me, and we had good dinner and beers. But uh, my wife thought I was dead somewhere in Mexico. I'm <laughs> sure she did. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, I'm in cartel country three days later. <laughs> What's that? I said she thinks you're in cartel country, and you obviously can't get a hold of her, so it's probably a couple days later, and you're supposed oh, to make that flight, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, so – my wife's boss is one of my good buddies, and he he said he's like, dude, your wife was pacing around the office, like, f- like freaking out, like she was up walking around, like, fuck, I haven't heard from Curtis. He's supposed to fly home, and you know all this shit. I'm like, yeah, my bad. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude, my wife would have been in a panic, bro. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know I would have been too. Hey, yeah. and I will say that was a beautiful coos deer. I, I, I don't study coos like I do whitetails, but that was a big one from what I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's nice. He's nice. He's, uh, I mean, he's not like a super giant. Oh, I calculated him out. Like, we kind of did the math. He'd be like a 160s, maybe 170 like whitetail. That oh, good. that's good, that's, man. That's a big that's one, a, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Good, bro. Congrats on that. Thanks. Yeah. So that that'd be that's the easiest way to like scale them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. For somebody who's never like been around coos. So yeah. So still, so, you know, a world class animal. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd say say highly respectable yeah, for tri- sure. Yeah, trophy. Yeah, for sure, man. Wow, that's yeah. awesome, dude. So yeah, I'm you went in like uh, late January. Was that like their rut? Like uh, like some of the whitetails? I know, like in Texas, they they rut late down there. Is it still a rut? Yeah, oh yeah, there it was. Um, I'd say pretty much peak rut um, for the the coos and the and the muleys. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah it well, was fun, man. It was a cool experience. Say, that's uh, an experience you can't get in in America. Just like everything you dealt with, not having service, talking to the army. Like how many times you talked to the army in America? I know I never have. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right it's, yeah. It's, it was one of those hunts. Like, um, it was just cool. You know what I mean? Like. It, and it wasn't necessarily as cool while I was there, but it's like now I'm like so glad I did it. And um, it's just a good experience. It's like something that you do that not a lot of people get to to do. No, man, that is definitely, you know, it's kind of like, you know, to me, it'd be like going to New Mexico on an elk hunt. You know, it's just almost like a bucket list kind of thing. Just something that you said, not very many people get that opportunity at all. Well, yeah, you know, and it's like, I had one of those moments, like in high school, I'd never took Spanish. I was like, I don't need to learn Spanish. And then I'm like, damn, I wish I knew Spanish. <laughs> yeah, you could have talked to that little kid that came out of the bushes. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, they're all car, they're all doing like, you know, everyone out there is like human trafficking. So they're doing, they're running people over the border. So, dude, that is yeah. so crazy, man. Oh, man. Yeah. From my understanding, it's like less drugs now and more just like it's a business of just getting people over the border. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... Speaking of some like pretty wild like hunts, you guys went to Africa here recently. And I, as far as I know, I've been listening to you guys for a while. That was like the first time you've got the whole squad together, basically, right? Yeah, for like a hunt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much, man. The only guy we were missing, uh, Clinton, Clinton didn't make it and Ross didn't make it. Um, but, dude, yeah, Africa's insane. And, and it gets so much hate 
from people who've never gone or, you know, or just like the most common things I'd never go, or that just doesn't interest me or whatever, you know? And it's just like, man, you don't know what you're missing. Your, your, your closed mind is cutting you out from such an amazing experience. Right. Um, I love it, the way you did those podcasts, man, the way how you laid them out and you got your guides to kind of talk about it and walk you through it. Like it made me fired up to go hunt Africa. It made it like seem like it was feasible for the average guy. It, it, it really is. It's just like, you know, I think people see Africa and they think Jim Shockey Africa or they think like um, 1% money, leather bound books, trophy room type Africa, you know, like um, and it it definitely can be that, um, but it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. you know, um, and in the way I would like tell people it's like if you ever get the opportunity to go, if you're like really into bow hunting, you have to go. It, it's it's such an incredible experience, but you know, like don't go and you, if you want to go and spend 50 grand a trip, yeah, you can do that. Like for sure you can, but if you go over there and you go, Hey, all right, I want to go a couple times. Like the first time you go, you're going to learn so much and see animals and animals are going to interest you in ways you didn't think they would. And, um, there's like a, ever since I've went, I think about Africa every day. Like really? I just messaged our, our, our PH, our head PH Stewart yesterday. I said, dude, I can't wait to get back down there. Like I'm dying. And, uh, it, it's just a great experience. But like now I, I'm like interested in going back to hunt different animals. Um, you know, other animals I have on my bucket list that I didn't know I would have on my bucket list the first time. Um, but you know, we went for the price cheaper than a guided elk hunt here in the States. Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, people think, you know, it's 15, 20 grand to go. It can be, for sure it can be, but uh, it doesn't have to be. You know, if you go over there, you want to kill three, four, five animals and you kill the right animals and then, you know, plan in five, six, maybe 10 years, go. you're going to go back again and, and hunt something different, you know? Yeah, so being like somebody like we are, you're from the Midwest, you hear all these stories, you watch Jim Shockey, maybe some Ted Nugent, you watch him kill all these. Like, what animals did you want to kill before then? And then when you were sitting in the blind, and, like, what animals kind of changed your mind once you saw them? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, Kudu is, like, number one on everybody's bucket list, I think, when you go over there. Like, Kudu would be, Kudu would be like, the elk of Africa, you know? Um, They're bigger animal. Their horns are are just neat, you know? Um, I wanted to kill, I, I can't remember what I had on my list before. Kudu. Um, Impala, just because they're cheap. Zebra, Gimsbuck, um, Waterbuck. Waterbuck uh, was very interesting to me before, but I didn't know how much I'd like them until I saw them. Uh, and then Sable. Sable was one of those animals I realized um, to the PHs over there. And, and now that I learned more to people who hunt Africa, um, it's Kudu or Sable is like the big toss up of like what's better. And I asked them guys, I'm like, what's better, a kudu or a sable? And they're like, uh, they're both <laughs> awesome. Like they won't, they won't pick, you know. Um, I'm a sable guy. is the that's one like, animal. That's one of mine for sure. Dude, they're awesome. But if you have a sable walking on you, man, they are. Dude, they call them the Prince of Africa, man. And they walk in, they have like an aura around them. It's incredible. Wow. Sables are the ones that are like big black, and they got them like just long straight horns, right? Yeah, they curve backwards. Yep, yeah. They're yep. uh they're just I don't know, dude. There's something about them. They're proud when they come in and they're just 
fucking badass. Like I was fortunate I killed a really big sable, but and I didn't plan on killing a big sable. Um, I had I had a uh, a kudu on my list, and then when that sable walked in, I was like, dude, I want to trade out my kudu for that. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. That's really so. cool. So how do they do that? Is it like per animal? Like you just get charged like per animal. Say you want to kill three animals, you get charged, you know, so much. Or if you want to kill six animals, is that how they do that? Yeah, for the most part, like, you know, we had a package, a preset package that we put together at a price, and then uh, everything else was pretty much a la carte from there. Um, what we did when we get after Africa, we were so, like, passionate about Africa, and, like, we just had full throttle fun every minute of the trip that we were like, man, we need to make this available or easily available to people and show people how uh, just attainable it is. So we actually uh, set up a clinic with our PHs and we hosted it, um, Oh, f- uh, several months ago, but we did, uh, a clinic. Everybody could come. We did some speaking, ran everybody through packages, what, you know, how to do it, what to expect, all this stuff. And our PHs put together like an insane hunt package and, uh, a ton of people booked. Like he threw pricing out there, like better pricing than you'll get anywhere, um, yeah. to go. And it's all inclusive. You know, it's like a resort hunt. It's fucking awesome. Wow. So, so is that like, but you got to pay your way to get there, right? Or is that all included as well? No, you pay your flight. And if you know you're going and you're hundred percent are going, you just book it as early as you can. Um, we were like, it was like back and forth if we were going. So we could have booked our flight earlier and saved about 50% of the money. Um, but we lollygagged and booked like two months in advance or a month in advance. And it was expensive. Oh, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, if you know you're going, you book in advance, and it's not even that bad. Right on. But imagine the taxidermy bill, bill is quite high, though. It can be. Um, so what we did, uh, we ha- we're having our animals mounted there and then shipped to us. Um, and we're, we're working with a broker, and they'll get shipped to us, and they'll go to our taxidermist, Old Barn Taxidermy, and then we'll pick them up from there. Oh, cool, um, but. The, the taxidermy is not as bad, especially if you have them mounted there. Um, it's actually very fair, and uh, which I might be able to pull up my price list. I'll see if I can find out my email. But um, And then the shipping on the way back, you just split the cost with everybody that went on the trip. Um, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me see. I'll see if I can pull up my sheet. Um, yeah, because I know see. I've been to a couple ranches in the states, like killing boars and stuff, and they just mount so many, so they're they're cheaper than your normal deer mount type of guy. Yeah, almost yeah. Kind of like like anything, like doing it in bulk. Yep. Well, I'll tell you this. So I'm getting. I'll tell you what I'm getting tax for me, and then I'll let you guys guess the price. How's that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that fun? Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm getting a so keep in mind my sable and my water buck are like insane, um, insanely big. So I'm getting like nice wall pedestal type, beautiful. You know what I mean, like that prettier mount. Um, yeah. I'm getting a sable wall pedestal, um, a sable back skin tanned. I'm getting my water buck wall pedestal, the water buck back skin tanned, an impala shoulder mount, a gims buck uh, wall pedestal with um a supply cape so i shot a really really old cow and her hair was falling out like just an ancient old cow um so i'm getting a new cape for that too um so that's one big sable oh and an impala shoulder mount i skipped my impala 
So a Gims buck mount and a new cape, an Impala shoulder mount, a water buck shoulder mount, a sable shoulder mount, a sable back skin, and a water buck back skin. What do you think the cost is on that? I want to say, say I'm gonna say six grand. I'd say four grand. Uh, twenty six. What? Shit. You're yep. are you serious? I was yeah. lowballing too. Yep. So, wow. It's expensive, but like, but then also too, like, I can just do all euros. All right, let me let me throw this out. This is gonna be a fun one. Eric shot a giraffe. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much do you think a giraffe shoulder mount is gonna cost? I'd say six grand, three six. Oh, grand, I gotta grand. say, it's. I'm gonna say it's gonna be like four. It's gonna be. It's uh, gonna be just under eleven foot six inches tall. From that's far. Holy shit. Um. Yeah, I'd say six grand then. Eighteen hundred. No way. So you got to remember, I don't know if they cut us discounts or not, but this is, uh, you know, mounted in South Africa. So, yeah. geez, man, yeah, I pay nine I pay nine hundred dollars for a whitetail shoulder mount. So that's like, holy cow, that's like insanely priced good. Yeah, you know, I mean, but maybe it's not that way everywhere. But um, you know, it just goes to show you, it's people think it's crazy. Like, dude, you want to go on a fully guided elk hunt somewhere in the states? It's costing you eight grand. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, well, hell, and then a white or a elk shoulder mount, you know, is going to cost you what? Well over a grand. You know, you're talking no. probably fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars for an elk shoulder mount. Not in America, you're paying a couple grand. I yeah, mean, I don't know. I euroed mine, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so that's really like that's cheap. Yeah, that's I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. You know, where could you get? I mean, well, I'm getting one, two, th- four animals mounted, and the back skin stand, and an extra yeah. cape. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I that's I would have never guessed it was that cheap in a million but, years, dude. One thing about Africa, a lot of their like tourism is from hunting, right? Isn't that a huge portion? Yeah. So what I learned, um, I can't remember what the amount of income. Oh, I, Stuart talked about it. Our pH, like the. Uh, the, the percent of income for the country is like tourism or something like that. But then like that doesn't really categorize hunting hunting's lumped into tourism, but uh, hunting makes up like an astronomical, like percent of that tourism percent. Yeah. Cause I remember listening to that podcast you were talking about when, when he said the number, I was like, Holy shit. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Kurt. I've always been curious on this. Like, I'm correct. Like it stays. No, we there. donated it. We donated. Well, we ate some of it, but um, we donated it all. Um, everything we donated went to an orphanage nearby. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah. The that's cool thing really- about it, the the place we were hunting has its own like meat processor on hand. Um, so like they would process it, then donate it. Um, nice. And a lot of a lot of places just drop it off. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they'd make a lot of sausages and and stuff like that. So. So not only are you bringing money into the country for these people, but you're also you know helping feed them. Oh yeah. Which is yeah. That's just incredible, man. I love that. Fe- feeding them good red meat too. You know, like it's uh, that sable and water buck, man. The chef that was cooking in camp was like some of the best meals I've ever had. 
Yeah, no doubt. So, man, cool. you you had a crazy year. We're like everything we've talked about is that happened in the, this last season. So we're the Whitetail Bloodline. Kind of want to talk about your season because you had a great season for Whitetails too. You killed at least two bucks in my knowledge, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess my my koozie is still a Whitetail, I guess. But oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I killed uh, I killed a good buck October eighth, and then I killed uh, another buck in Illinois uh, November twelfth. So. Okay, and you killed one of those on your like property, didn't you know? Yeah, I killed the second one on my property on my farm. So, okay, Little... how long you? I kind of want to talk about that. How long you had that property? It's pretty new, right? Yeah, so I think my wife and I closed on it. We're going on like a year uh, anniversary. I think like the last, uh, yeah, like right before June first, we closed on it. Um, so I had it. Really, I didn't really get to spend much time on it till july i got on it got to explore a little bit and uh so yeah it was a new a new piece to me i didn't really even expect deer to be on it or at least a killable buck you know it was just kind of like a bonus situation and uh worked out so yeah because a lot of properties it takes you you know a couple of years just to figure out you know the deer's patterns you know how they travel and use the property so for you to get it done on the first season that's pretty thanks man yeah it's uh it's it's a small piece. I honestly didn't expect a lot of deer to even use it, and um, I think they do use it. Um, they they frequent it, but I think if I hunted it reckless, you know, I could easily ruin it. Um, so I just uh, I kind of played it. Uh, I don't know, like low and slow with it, and kind of just observed and um, made the right moves when I need to make them by chance, and uh, worked out. Really, that's like the that's a long story short there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had a good buck, 40. Oh, yeah, that's a good good chunk, you know. So it's not huge or nothing, but, like, I hunt a 27-acre property. That's one of my goals this year is to kill a mature buck on this 27 acres. I was going to try to do what everybody else is doing in the, the outdoor industry and go searching for this giant buck, but I just wanted to prove that you could have 27 acres and still kill a four-plus-year-old buck on it, you know. Oh, yeah, man, you, could, you definitely can. It's, uh, shit, sometimes it's better. Um, but you know, I think where people like slip up with stuff like that is it's like their pressure in general, you know, um, I think just like their entry and exit can get sloppy and you just pay for it more, the smaller the property is, you know, pay, pay for it more as in your, it's, you know, the consequences are, they affect you more in your hunting. If you're sloppy in your game plan, than uh, than if you're hunting, you know, and then, and that's like my, kind of my argument a little bit with like some of the public guys, like I get, you know, public's hard to the pressure of the people, all that stuff. Like that definitely not arguing that, but if you're hunting a thousand acres of public or 27 acres of private, you can fuck up a lot more on public and get on the other side of it and find a deer or another deer on that big chunk. And, you know, if you're hunting 27 acres and you're on a big buck and you bump him and he goes to the neighbors, he's on the neighbors and you yeah, can't go yeah. over there. Oh, dude, I, so I dove into public land hard last year, and I agree with that 100%. It's easier to kill a buck on pub, that public land chunk that I'm at than it is to kill on my 27 acres of private land because it's basically, not basically, my property is more pressured on my 27 acres than that public land is. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you got all the neighbors around you hunting too, you know, pushing yeah, them around. Like such small parcels, and they're just not – they're not diehard as like all three of us are. They ca- I caught the one neighbor hunting property line in blue jeans. And that was when I was younger. I was a little more fiery than I am even today. And we got into it, but that's just, that's just part of it. When you're hunting these small acres, you're like, you kind of have to hunt 
the borders. I you hear that a lot in podcasts. Like on my property, we got four stands sitting on the border. It's facing into our property, and I'm not shooting a bunch of theirs, but it's just what you got to do when your property is only 300 yards wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. for sure. I don't know. I've only got like 6,000 acres out here to hunt, so. Yeah, and you fucking <laughs> only kill 200 bucks. Fuck you, John. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go into that. The whole must be nice. Yeah, it takes oh, a yeah. – God damn, it still takes a lot of work, man. Jesus. Well, Gavin, you oh, know yeah. how much I'm scouting out every oh, yeah. single day, it seems like, doing shit, trying to find them. It's just crazy. Oh, you got it, man. You got it. Anybody that kills big deer consistently is putting work in somewhere. Yeah. No yes. A lot of sweat equity and a lot of money too. That's for damn sure. But yep. the so, about it though, is like Blake is with me every step of the way. Like he's always out there with me doing shit. To me, that's yeah. like the best part of it, you know? Oh yeah, man. For sure. For sure. But, so Kurt, what yeah, do you man. think, man? You're, you're kind of older. You're in your thirties. I don't know exactly how old you are. I think you're close to John's age. But, uh, like, with how things are changed in social media now, there's all these tools that kids, like, John's son age, John's son, he's, like, what, Blake's 10 years old? It's just, yeah. like, in my mind, it's easier. These kids got it easier and harder because they got all these things to, like, oh, listen to this guy. This is tried and true. But they don't really go and try stuff for their own like we did when we were young. So what's your kind of take on, like, the new technology era? I think it's a good I think your learning curve is shorter for like, it can be shorter. Um, but I think a lot of it, like, you know, I think you can like listen to podcasts or watch videos or read books or whatever, or whatever, whatever information would take in. Like you can learn it, but you don't really learn it until you like go and try to apply some of it and fuck yeah. up with it. You know? So I think, I think it always takes time. Like Bowen is not something you become, um, an expert on in five years. Nope. You know what I mean? It takes 15 years, it, you know, 10, 15 years and more. And then you're always learning after that. Like, I don't know. Is there anyone's ever really an expert? People get good or consistent. Um, but you know, I, I, I think y- yes, it shortens the learning curve. You can get more info. You can learn more about this, that, and whatever, but I don't think you really learn it. Um, and you can see it's like how consistent is someone in their killing? Um, and maybe that's a bad way to like weigh it out. Mature killing, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen every year, can happen every couple of years or more. But um, you know, I think that's probably the way that you see if like someone's really learning it. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's I've... like uh, you know everything is so situational. You know, your property is not going to be the same as what this guy's property is. And I say this a lot, dude. It's like. I think deer are just like people that all have such different personalities of what they do and, and what their regiment is. Yeah. The hard thing is it's like, you have to literally study a buck. We've got one that we call uh, the King eight. We've been hunting him for going on four years now. Hopefully he's still alive, but that deer has just beat our asses every step throughout the, you know, these few years. And it's like, you have to just observe what he's doing to figure him out. And it's still a learning process. You know, we still don't have it figured out because it's like, once we get onto him, you know, what he's doing, his trickery, you know, then he switches it up. Then he's doing something different. He's like, damn it. So like you said, man, it is your screw ups that are always your biggest teacher. It's always making the mistakes and learning from them and implementing them 
later on and remembering, hey, you know, I walked through that scrape, you know, and then all the buck stopped showing up or whatever it may be. You know, that is always going to be your biggest teacher. And it's always situational, man, in my opinion. Well, yeah, a lot of it goes back to like adaptability of like what your situation is. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you go to a new piece or whatever it is. It's like, basically, how do you find what you need to do and and put an arrow through it or whatever you're hunting it with whatever weapon? But um, like being being calculated and adaptable is like two huge traits to be a successful hunter consistently. Right. Yep. It's not like you know stubborn. It's like, you know, some of these guys, you know, we do it too. You know, we, we, it's Kansas, we hunt over bait, you know, whatever, but it's not a slam dunk though, either. You know, a lot of these bucks, they come, if they're coming in, it's well after dark. So now you gotta, you just gotta go back to your roots. You gotta go back to scouting and figure out where that deer is coming from and intercept him, you know, to wherever he's going, if he's going to the water first, or if he's coming to the feeder first and getting in between where he's going in daylight, it's just, Mm-hmm. So wait, you know, that's just it. It's just like no different than hunting a scrape or anything else. It's yeah. Like you, you hunt from Kansas, me hunting Indiana, it's night and day different. Mm-hmm. And Is, one thing, uh, Indiana, always, you can't bait, can you? It's, you can do supplemental feed, but you can't bait. Yeah, you can. Uh, you got 15 days uh, before season starts. I believe I have to check the regulations. It changes year to year sometimes. But usually it's 15 days. You can have feed out. You got to dig your minerals out. You got to make sure there's no feed on the ground 15 days before season. But we can feed all that off season, which I like. Like Illinois, awesome. I know you guys kind of get robbed from that. We got Angelo from Illinois, and it sucks. He can't feed. Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. One thing uh, I've always – not always thought this, but past couple of years, just an idea for anybody listening. If you want to steal it, steal it. I would love to watch it. But even YouTube's getting so popular now. It's the number two search engine in the world. would be like a series where you got these guys that are kind of cocky and they're very confident in the ways they do things. Like I'm like that on our team. I'm definitely the most confident in just how I hunt and everything. I think it would be cool to get two guys from different spectrum. You get your guy who's like mainly a public land guy and you get your guy who manages these properties. And it probably had to be an older older gentleman just because of egos and stuff because by that time they wouldn't worry about it as much. But I think it would be cool to swap them. Like give them three months or something or give them six months and be like, hey, you can have my property. I'm going to give you this public land where I know there's big bucks on it. And uh, just have a competition. These guys that are confident because you've heard the podcast of these guys talking shit about each other. Oh, I'm a, land, a public land runner. I know deer better. I'm a deer manager. I know it better. I think it would be cool to just to split it. They don't have any experience with that property or you know what i'm saying i think that'd be a cool series just kind of something like that. I, I think it would be cool like i yeah i agree i think surface level that's awesome um but dude you know what i like i've kind of like gathered and, and i'm not saying that this is right but this is like kind of how i feel you know after talking to like a ton of people on the podcast and like you know i know a lot of people that hunt different ways and bottom line and this was like an overrated saying or it's becoming overrated Killers kill. Exactly. And yeah, that's yeah. it it goes back to being adaptable. Like, you know, I think people uh, we get the why don't you guys hunt public land at home? It's like I'm not leaving deer for deer. I already have a place I've worked hard to gain permission or buy or do this or that. I'm not leaving deer to go fucking stroke my dick ego <laughs> with all the other guys on Instagram that just want to bitch about not killing anything. Like yeah. yep. I'm good. Like, but I think people forget, like, you know, when we go out West where I'm public, 
when Clint goes out west and hunts mule deer and elk, he's on public. Like we're we're still hunting public. Um, you you just don't see us shoving it in your face every time we take a video going, yeah, out here chasing elk on public. You know, it's like <laughs> right. it's, it's so annoying. Just yep. hunt, you know, like yeah. just hunt, man. That's it. I get just it. You know, some people some people base like the niche of their content off of that. Like, you know, White Tail Adrenaline does a great White Tail Adrenaline does the best job at oh, yeah. doing it and not being fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're really the cons for like the, the quality of shit they produce. They're as real as it comes. I love those dudes. Oh, so the one of the best in the biz, the OGs, but they're like, yes, they're on public, but they're not like vegan crossfit annoying about their public. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. Subaru and we're sick. Come on. Yeah, so it's uh and I, and I get that like, you know, it's a huge accomplishment to kill a deer on public. Like I'm not denying that. Um but I think people are just tired of it having like shoved in their faces. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know, I could go down a rabbit hole, but um I mean, mad props to anybody who's doing it. I get it. Like mad respect. But uh I'm right there say with it one you on time. The, like, the, the killers kill. That's like my whole thing. I think that would show people that like these public land guys are obviously they're gonna kill on these uh private land and then private land guys still got that knowledge they're not just like some person that's just got it all made they're doing things the right way to kill these bucks so i think it would come in like fourfold that they would all still kill bucks i think that i think you get good hunters they're gonna kill but you know what i would almost you know this is gonna get controversial but like you know goes back to the like the 27 acre conversation like you know a lot of the guys are going to be a little more calculated in different areas because of how fragile, like, you know, you bump a deer on a small piece, you know, it's, it could be game over, but, but you know, like you think that like our boy, Austin Chandler, we call him the Lord, you know, he's a white tail killer. You think you can't put him anywhere in this country where white tails live and eventually he's going to kill one. Like, yeah. He's going to kill one. He's going to find one to kill eventually. It might not be in three days, but give the dude two weeks He's killing a deer. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that man's a killer. Like, I remember just watching his traditional video where he, he, stu- he I think he missed it, and then he stuck him. I was like, this, that man's a killer. You kill with a longbow like that, keep them nerves after that second shot. And yeah, like Austin a lot. He's a killer. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, you know, goes like, uh, you know, replace anybody. Like, you think Mark Jury can't figure out how to kill a deer on Yeah. Public? I mean, dude, that, that dude could go on public and kill a deer. Like you say, man, it's. It's, just... it's, an, it's a dumb argument to say that he can't. And I think anybody that does want to argue that they just don't know enough to like nope. really hold the argument. Like, you know, I've seen people argue that in the comments on socials and it's like, you can just tell who's hunted a lot and who hasn't. And a lot of the times it's like the ignorant confidence and a dumb comment. It's like, <laughs> oh yep. man, you just don't know anything. It's sad. One thing, but, people it, don't but they're so dumb. That. You don't want to call them out on it. Cause you're just wasting energy. Yeah, one one thing people don't realize about those guys, almost all those guys that everybody looks up to to like today with those on like the land management side, they all hunted public in their younger days when they were in their twenties and shit, you know? Yeah. Well they did for sure. Yeah. It's like Yeah, you think they didn't? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. I don't know, dude. People just uh I what I what I think is pe- people just have a hard time giving credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, people just need to like drop the shit a little bit and just like Dude, it's all good, man. We're on yeah. the same team. 
Yeah, that's one thing we tried to do here. Like, obviously, I think I got quite a bit of whitetail knowledge, but I'm not the, the smartest ever, and I learn a lot from other guys. And that's one thing I try to do on our podcast is if I bring up an idea I learned, I try to give him a shout out, even though if I twist it in a whole completely different way, I'd have never thought the way I did if it wasn't for that guy putting it in my ear the first time. Yeah, that's a cool way to put it too. But you know, you think the more episodes you do and the more you pick up, like you kind of develop your own style within somebody else, like from other people's styles or info and it, you know, yep. it's then you can apply it. And then it kind of becomes your way of doing things and they have their way of doing things. And, uh, but no, it's always good. Like that's one thing I've always really liked about your guys' crew is like, you guys are one, you're down to earth and you're humble, but you guys are always very honest about things. Like, like that, like saying, oh, I try to give credit to people and stuff. Like that's a that's a cool trait. Yeah, yeah. And like me, I wore your guys' shirt. I finally found the shirt after that show. I had it tucked away in my fucking like bag I was carrying traveling and put that yeah. on. And some guys wouldn't even post that picture just because I'm rocking another brand. You know what I'm saying? But that's mm-hmm. not us. You know what I'm saying? We just we want to build it up. Like you're a big inspiration. Not gonna lie, for like the whole podcast side mainly it's just like if it wasn't for you honestly we would not be talking now so i can't thank you enough for that man well i appreciate that man that's awesome too yeah man hell i just wore my hanging bank shirt workout tonight like i wear the shit everywhere (laughs) that's awesome i love that shirt that's my favorite shirt you guys got yeah i gotta bust my shirt out i got that green one from you guys i gotta get that thing out and rock it i got a bunch of shirts i've been wanting to wear on video podcasts and that one's in the roster hell yeah dude sweet man yeah, that's that's really cool seeing that. Like even, you know, after going to the shows and we're seeing, you know, different guys. Hell, Gavin, there was that one post on Facebook. We didn't even know who he was. And he had a bike-tail bloodline hat on, po- you know, sitting there posed with his deer mount on the tree. I was like, hell yeah, that's what it's all about, baby. I yeah, love that's that. Cool. That's I cool. love I got, that. I, I had uh, – there's a listener, I don't know who did it, signed me up for the ACDC fan club. Um, <laughs> and – so I got a bunch of ACDC shirts that I got to wear, and then I'm just throwing them in the garbage afterwards. So um, I wore one on a DeerCast podcast a couple weeks ago, and I only had one person call me out on it. Um, but everyone, right, if you know the joke of me hating ACDC, then you know. But if you don't, yeah. then it just seems like I'm wearing an ACDC shirt. But right. so, so that's cool. I don't know who signed me up for that, but whoever you are, quit wasting your money. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a good place to be, man people just sending you random shit just to, to to mess with you a little bit well someone took my shit and signed me up for that fan club but they had to have paid for it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's actually so a that good idea like... i should sign kurt up for some wild shit like that that'd be kind of funny yeah whatever <laughs> free shit's free shit <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's, that's all I we had someone mail us a bunch of uh like beginning a beginner's guide to crossbow hunting and someone sent us a bunch <laughs> of like mini crossbows and like I'm like, dude, who's doing this? Quit wasting your money, man. It's hilarious. It's a great joke. But uh, I just know some poor dudes out there spending like a couple hundred bucks to send us like books and crossbows and stuff. So I don't know. It's silly, but it's funny. So, Kurt, one thing I want to talk about, man, is just like you are the epitome of uh, following your dream, dream, chasing your dream, and uh, you're doing it for a living now. So I kind of want to talk about that, like, just kind of how it was from the beginning. You guys were probably a lot more bullshit just trying to get out there, drop a podcast, talk whitetails, talk uh, bow hunting in general. So, like, what was it? You said you started in 2014. That's the year I graduated. So we're going on 10 years. You're almost on your 10-year anniversary. So 
just like uh just let's get a little background like how things have changed you know yeah um you know once we started i guess like you know you start to feel things like pick up a little bit of traction i guess you know um so we started gaining some traction i i guess i don't know how but um do you like, follow your got... numbers closely, like I'm the one that runs a lot of it. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, like, uh, do you like pay attention how many people are listening to your podcast from the early days and stuff? So I used to obsess over it a little, not obsess, obsess is a strong word, but I used to pay attention to it. Um, my advice would be don't pay attention to it okay. because I think it, I feel like it affects the way you do things. Um, so like I paid attention for a long time. And then that's, you know, that's a big reason how you get sponsors and that's, it's how you get paying sponsors. If your numbers are good and, um, all that matters, it does matter. Um, but I feel once, once the numbers got to a point where I was just like, yeah, they're good. Um, then I quit paying attention. Like right now I could, I couldn't tell you what we did the last three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't look, I it's. All it does is fuck you up mentally if you're obsessing over that. Like, um, I just know they're good. I know that. So, um, but, you know, like, I saw the growth of our downloads, and I talked to a few people who podcasted, so I knew we had good downloads. Um, but, you know, um, really that's, like, our fan base, and I even hate saying fan base, listener base, was, it seems strong. We have a lot of interaction. We have a lot of people that, like, reach out. Um, and then, you know, just got more and more traction and got recognized by some legit like business people in the industry and marketing companies in the industry. And, um, you know, some of my heroes in the game started giving us some recognition. Like we were kind of silly, but funny, but we still were, were serious enough and we killed shit. Like we kind of had the recipe going on from that perspective. Uh, and it just kind of like built up and built up and built up and then, uh, got to the point where I'm like, man. I could probably make this a job and uh, I was fortunate enough to just kind of figure it out. That's a long story <laughs> cut down yeah. to, you know, it's just uh, over the last couple, I've been full time, um, not quite a year and a half yet. Um, but, you know, it just kind of more opportunities opened up and grinding a little harder in different areas and different things allowed it to happen. And so, yeah, man. Yeah. So when so, you guys that's a lame getting... answer. No, no, that was a great answer. So when you guys started getting bigger, I know me, like, I'm the one that cusses the most, definitely, on the entire crew and stuff. And uh, once you start getting sponsored stuff, they're like, hey, kind of watch your mouth. So, like, how was that? Like, just, like, I'm sure you guys get comments. I'm sure you guys have even got, like, reviews, like, oh, these guys cuss too much for me. So how do you personally deal with that, kind of being the one that runs the show? Fuck them. Yeah, really. Hey, that's, that's where I'm at. Nobody else is with me on that. That's exactly how the fuck I <laughs> I will tell you this. I have never had a sponsor tell us dial back the cussing. I've never had anybody but some old boomer or some fucking uh, I'll some just lame ass leave us a review and saying like, "Oh, my kids are in the car." Like, I, dude, get yeah. the fuck over it. Like, you've never if you've ever worked a blue collar job or worked on a real job site or worked on a farm or been around farmers or fucking real people had a beer at the local tavern, it that's, we're talking how people talk. Yep. 
and people act like like kids don't cuss, man. Like kids cuss so much more. Parents just don't realize it, you know. Oh, I mean? dude, it's like for sure. I was just curious because you you got the same mindset I do on it. It's just like I just don't care what anybody thinks. I'm gonna do the way that the way I do things. I'm not gonna change for nobody. I don't do anything like unethical or uh, illegal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I was just well, curious. Well, that's the thing. It's like be ethical, but you're still being real. Like. I had two people um, a few weeks ago. I was at, uh, I'll be vague, I was at an establishment with two people that I know well that they're like kind of related to me. And they were telling me that I need to dial back the cussing on my podcast. And they're not in the industry, they don't do this for a living. And I'm like, you're telling me that you think the F word is bad when the biggest platform on the planet right now is Joe Rogan. And I listened to one of his episodes the other day and they talked for, with Shane Gillis for 30 minutes about somebody fucking a Python snake. Like <laughs> you can't... That's exactly what I say. Every big platform cusses like hard cusses. Well, here's the thing too. If all of a sudden we were like, you know, one episode, I mean, shit, you listen to our episode 500 and anybody wants to argue that we've changed, you listen to episode 500 and then hold up that argument with me. You know yeah, what I that's mean? That's what I love about mm-hmm. you, man. Like how you guys have kept it through so many years. It's like, that's, that's honestly my favorite thing about you guys. Well, thanks man. But it's also true. Like, you know, I get, um, I'd say twice a week, I have a phone call with somebody that wants to know like, Hey, what do I need to do to grow my podcast? And I think it's great that people want to reach out to me. That's awesome. Um, but I always say is like, why would someone tune in? You know, mm-hmm. it's like us, we're just always doing what we think is fun. However it is like, you know, and that kind of goes back to, it's like, how do uh, you, that question you guys asked earlier, like, how do you keep episodes like good or better or like what we think is and straight up, we just do what we think is fun or interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, 100%. you know, like you, a lot of guys will ride like trends for their podcast and and they'll they'll label a podcast off a trend topic or a hot topic for the tiktok or the reel to post that clip but the rest of the podcast is absolute ass because the whole time they were thinking about is how can i get attention through a tiktok or a reel and they just abandon ship on the rest of their episode and uh, we're, you know, before the podcast kind of talking, and that's why nobody listens to their episodes, but they might have a big follow, following on Instagram. Well, then what happens is they try to take that to a company and make it translate into engagement for their listeners. They're like, well, what are we paying for your Instagram account? Everybody has an Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes back to like the Instagram influencer chicks. It's like, you see all of them. It's like, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I have an Instagram. Yeah. yeah so does everyone else. Like yeah, you don't exactly. really do anything. You're not producing original content anywhere. Um, so it's just like doing what you find is interesting. Well, you always will easily have content rather than chasing what is hot right now for your one minute long TikTok or mm-hmm. reel. I fucking yeah. love that. I love the way you put so, that. It's uh it that probably hurts feelings. Uh more po- other like podcasters and content creators' feelings. And I'm not saying like our YouTube sucks. Like I don't get that figured out. All I'm saying is we're doing what we think is fun mm-hmm. and uh, we're not making our clips that you see on our reels and Instagram and whatever the fuck else. TikToks. Those are actual clips from real conversations, not clips 
that we were like, oh, I'm going to make a clip out of this. Let's talk about it. And then we we label this one question, two-hour-long podcast after one question we asked. That's silly. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. And I think one thing that's important, like you obviously know, man, you're one of the biggest names, I would say, in the industry that on the podcast. Beside me and John, we're talking about this off-podcast. You're number one in our eyes. Just you Thanks, are. Thanks, But uh, I just lost my, kind of, my train of thought. It's just like – you can't that like happens. let it get. You can't let it get to your head. Is basically where I'm going. Is just like because I've seen a lot of people like they have good roots. They're good people. They get a little famous, and then it gets to their head, and they kind of turn into a douchebag. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Um. I mean, we're douchebags for sure. Like we're definitely <laughs> oh, yeah. douchebags. I'm a fucking douchebag. I tell my guys that all the time. I'm the nicest asshole you ever meet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Every day. That's always a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, dude. It's just uh, here. Here's the thing, and I play. I sometimes play a character. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Byron Horton the other day on the phone, and uh, I say shit sometimes that I like maybe fifty percent believe, and, yeah. and and what I, what I mean by that is like, all right, you know how slim there's Slim Shady and then there's Eminem, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or like, you know how like you guys listen to the rapper Tyler, the creator, how he kind of has like his like other persona or there was like Mac Miller and then Larry Fisherman. Like, you know how they kind of have like these side personas. I kind of have that with our podcast sometimes. And I need to like, I need to come up with like a name for like the side persona because I'll do shit to be sinister for the comedic um, engagement or the, uh, it gets our listeners thinking or feeling about certain ways about topics we talk about. Does that make sense? Kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, like I'll say some shit that like, I know saying it that there's a good argument that to come against it, but I do it for the entertainment value and it gets everybody else feeling some type of way. Um, <laughs> I love it, but man. I don't know. I guess I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, that makes it fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the coolest thing about a podcast in my eyes. It's just the people I've met, like John came on my team. Actually, everybody I got on the team now, we got four of us. I met them all through the podcast and got good vibes from them, blah, blah, blah. And if it wasn't for the podcast, I had never met these guys. And honestly, it's made me a, a, a better hunter. I did this to help other people, you know, because you have a podcast, you want to help other people. But a big part of mine is being selfish and asking selfish questions. And I think I just got a lot of the same questions other people do. So I think that's just being relevant too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that goes to the thing is like, you're, you're going with what you think is interesting. You're not trying to like conform to what you think a listener or what somebody in the industry that's going to give you a chance thinks you need to be. Yep. hundred percent. John boy, you know, I've been like, talking a lot. I know you guys. Oh, no. You know, my wife and I were just actually talking about this right for the podcast about, you know, I used to have a, a mullet wig and just do stupid goofy shit in this mullet wig. And I'm like, you know what? I got to bring that back. It's like, I got to get that goofy side out. Like that's who I am. It's like, and I need to do that. Like I, I'm going to get a freaking mullet and I'm going to go shoot my damn bow just to be a dumbass because that's just what, who I like to be. And I was like, I need to, I need to put that out there, you know, just make it fun. <laughs> Not so damn serious all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big problem. A lot of people take themselves a little too seriously, but uh, you know, it's like, it's a unique space we're in. everybody's trying to do something different or find their niche and all that. But, um, you know, I think the recipe to some of the like podcast success we've had is just 
doing what we do really it's just like as our friend group we're just having fun but um we're just we're, i don't know we're fortunate man i don't know i think um can everyone do it probably but a lot of things got to align to make it happen you know what i mean to do how we've done it and like me being able to do it for a living it, it's tough it's i realize how lucky i am and i and i honestly think about it every day so yeah i think like honestly people would disagree with me like certain things like being a host to a podcast i think you're born with it like it's just like by the time I'm, i'll be 29 next month i think just like what you've been through life and just like how you've been you carry yourself like you're either born with that type of stuff you can learn don't get me wrong you could start a podcast and not be the be best podcast in the world, and two years later you'd be a good podcast host. But to a certain extent, I still really do truly think you're kind of born with that type of stuff. I, I agree with you. You know, I think you get better. You get better on like how you navigate um, conversation. Um, but yeah, it's like you kind of have to have the gift of gab a little bit. Um, yep. If you're an introvert and you come in and you're like, Oh, so tell me about uh, your public land success. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, <laughs> I'll tell you, dude, like you can tell you can turn on any podcast, listen to 10 minutes of it, and you can you know if you're gonna finish it or not. Oh, dude, there's like, so many out there that I've listened to, and I'm like, e yeah, this is not for me. Yeah, it's like the monotone for me. Like I've turned on a bunch of podcasts, listened to their intros and stuff, and they're just like so monotone. Like today we're gonna be talking about whitetails. I'm just like, all right, I can't listen to this. I was like, you gotta be a little excited, bro. You know what I mean? You have to have more yeah. of a personality than a paper towel. Like a lot of it's comfort on the mic. Um, you know, it's like, and, and, and I remember starting the podcast and it's like, I felt uh, uncomfortable on the mic because um, it felt conceited. Like, you mm -hmm. know, we didn't, didn't have an audience at the time. Like why, why do I feel that I, people should listen to what I have to say on a microphone. Cause like I I do remember the first few episodes like Steve and I uh, when Steve was on the show we didn't know like we we didn't have a groove or a vibe yet or like we didn't have uh I guess the show didn't have a personality yep 100%. so it felt weird as shit you know it kind of felt like what are we doing why are we this is stupid um, <laughs> yeah John Boy was super shy when I talked to John Boy. I'm sure you you had him on the podcast before I did. John was like extremely shy, and since John's been on the the bloodline, he's opened up like extremely, and uh, now he won't shut the fuck up. Nope. <laughs> it's just like the show at the shows, man. It's like I would never just like somebody walking by, like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" You know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I would have never done that before being on the bloodline. But as soon when I joined the team, though, it's like you know we can we can really do something here, and it's like, all right. Well, if you want to do this, then freaking do it. It's like yep. time to get uncomfortable, motherfucker. Like, let's do this if we're going to do it. So I was like, yep. I just switched it in my mind. And I'm like, I'm I'm putting my mind to it and I'm going to do it. So let's go. Yeah. And you gave us big butt credibility, which is real big on the team. <laughs> you need that. You need yeah, that. Hey, boys, I'm going to go grab up. another beer real quick. Is that cool? Oh, yeah, yeah brother. Sure. I'll be right back. Give me two seconds. Sounds good. I wish I had another one. Dude, me too. I walked in to go grab another one. I drank all. I got my two twisted tea sitting here empty, and I know there's another one in the fridge, but I'd have to go get it. <laughs> That's up the stairs. I thought there was another twisted tea. We only had one left. Damn it. Dang it, Gavin. Come on. Under big ones? Yeah. Call boys. Yeah, you can pretty much get a really good buzz going just on one of them suckers. Oh, yeah. 
have to ask Kurt what kind of beer he drinks. Hopefully, it's not Bud Light. Uh, if I'd guess, just off the top of my brain, I'm guessing Miller. That's what I'm gonna guess. That's what you'll guess. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's. Oh, I don't know. Sorry about that. I'm oh, back. Kurt, we're sitting here discussing it. What kind of beer do you drink? <laughs> right now, I'm drinking Coors Light, which is there a, you uh, go. random for me. Oh, Look I love my you. Coors Light. So if you hear something funny, so we're normally like uh, Bush Light guys. Um, then Bud Light got all gay. And then like as a joke, what we did <laughs> Uh, we're like, all right, we're going to buy Coors Light and Miller Light for like two podcasts and film them, and we'll see who calls it out first. Like, hey, they're not drinking Bush. They're drinking Miller Light or Coors Light. And mm-hmm. uh, and we're not like done drinking Bush Light. We just did it as like a little Easter egg in an episode, and uh, we had Coors Light in here, so I'm just it's, – it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, man, that's my go-to is Coors Light. If I'm not drinking pain. Twisted Tea. I got through phases of my light beer. A couple of years ago, I was a Miller guy. And Yingling just came to Indiana, so I drank Yingling back then. And I'm probably on Bud Light again, sadly. It's, it's all the same shit, dude. Like, we'll, we'll throw in little Easter eggs like that in some of our episodes. So, like, there's a lot of Easter eggs in, in WCB, honestly. Yeah. So, one thing I got, I'm curious, man. One of my biggest idols, like, I bought a PSD because of this man, wore Mossy Oak mainly because of this guy. The Drury Brothers, man. So what was it like when uh, they kind of reached out to you and said, hey, dude, let's partner up. Let's do something. Um, it was awesome, dude. So the way it all kind of started, uh, do you remember when Drury gave away a farm when they launched DeerCast? Yep. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. So they gave away a farm. We were the first media to cover it. Uh, we launched a podcast on it, like, the day of it happened. Like, they literally – did the farm giveaway. We rushed in, recorded a podcast literally right after they announced it. And I had it up in 20 minutes from the time we recorded it. So, wow. uh, we were like the first media coverage to cover it. It was pretty cool. Um, cool experience. Going to be a part of all that. And then, um, I remember chase Rawson from Rubline marketing. He's one of like my business idols. And like one of the like first real dudes, like, uh, really just straight up cold call me and be like, really he fucked with me when he called me at first but um <laughs> he's kind of like hey we were doing some investigative work on you and you you're the shit that's cool and i'm like oh cool and then that's pretty much it but um <laughs> after that happened a few weeks after i remember uh, i was it was after work i'm at home like cooling off having an after work beer you know how that goes on the couch and he calls me he goes hey uh the juries want to talk to you and i'm like about what and he goes uh they just want to talk to you. So uh, a couple of weeks go by, talk to them and uh, they want, they had me in uh, They're like, Hey, come down to the office. So I went down they wanted to talk about um, doing something for deer cast with working class bow hunter. And I'm like, Oh, Whoa, this is insane. Um, and it really like just kind of sizzled out. Like it didn't really go anywhere. Um, then a year or so went by and um, I got to be like closer and closer with Mark and uh, you know, like texting Mark on the daily. I talked to him on a regular and, um, it, it kind of came up in conversation. He's like, dude, why are we not doing something? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, and this is like right when we had bought the studio. Um, so we've been in the studio, like pretty much we're right on our two year anniversary for the owning the studio building. And, um, I was like, well, man, uh, I was like, I can have the time 
you know, we're, we're going to have the place and I can have the time. Um, so if we want to do something, we should do it. And, uh, you know, came, you know, basically just had some conversations about it, some meetings and, um, it worked out where we produced a series for, for Dre Outdoors Deercast. And, uh, but no, man, it's like, it really started at that one ATA, but it kind of was like a buildup of like getting, uh, developing a friendship with Mark, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the opportunity arose and, um, it, it was, it was perfect timing. I'm actually glad it didn't happen initially like we thought, cause it, I think it would have been more of a struggle not having the studio. Um, but, uh, it worked out. So yeah, we do a, a custom podcast series for Deercast called working class on Deercast that launches every Monday at 5. AM. Yep. And that's how you uh, take care of all those guys with kids that keep giving you shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's our clean version. Yeah, yeah, it is the clean version, but you know, it's still us. It's still our vibe. So, oh, 100%. Um, yep. I think I like, some people, that. some people would argue that our vibe isn't kid friendly, which whatever that means. But um, cool, <laughs> right? But no, man, that, <laughs> yeah. that's like something really cool. Like to have that relationship with Mark. That's not something a lot of people have, man. Yep. Yeah, Mark's a buddy. He's um he's good shit. He's one of the coolest dudes in the game. Um, I consider him a friend, and uh, he's just a good dude. He's a real dude, and he he's done it honestly, and he's done it ethically, and he's a good, obviously, one of the best whitetail hunters on the planet. But um, the dude's just smart, man. He's a great role model. Um, I kind of have like a fatherly relationship with him. Like he gives me advice and like hunting advice, business advice, um. You know, really on another level than I think I could get anywhere else, you know. Yeah, 100%. Mark's just the ass, dude. They're, they're the man for how big they are. Everything I've seen, I've never met them in person yet, but they're as humble as it comes, and it's just like, dude, great people, man. They're nobody like the Drews. No. Dude, he, Mark's – he's so awesome, man. Like, it, it's cool. Like, uh, you know, we, we're in Des Moines this, this year. We are hanging out, and – I was like, my voice was gone from like talking all day at the shows and then like yelling at the bars and then doing podcasts and stuff. So my voice was gone. And, uh, he's, he was pretty much just like, yeah, you got to chill out. <laughs> like he gave me more, he gave me more advice, but like, just for the sake of the podcast, it was pretty much just like, Hey, you, you can tell people no sometimes, you know that, right? I'm like, Oh mm. shit. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm not a big fanboy like a lot of people would love to meet celebrities and go off fangirl for them i've never been that way like we've got some pretty big followers on the page and i've got excited don't get me wrong when like a big one like the buck master somebody follows you like that but when drury followed us i remember it was like early in the morning i woke up i fell out of bed yeah and i called john instantly and i saw drury followed us just because that's been my biggest inspiration for hunting they're a huge inspiration for me from the filming side i did mafia biologic all this stuff just because i love those guys so much but yeah man when yeah. when they followed us i fanboyed like a girl called john by yang and believe this shit dog called tell him yeah it was, it's pretty cool it, yeah it's a cool feeling man it's it, it's like for some people that's probably not a big deal but yeah dude i know that feeling for sure um i had that feeling well of course like back in the day when jury followed us but like uh Joe Rogan followed us, and I was like, "Holy fuck, that means something." I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one—that's big time. That's awesome. Yeah, but I don't know. He might have unfollowed us, but uh, but yeah, I know. I, but I know what you—I know what you're saying. Yeah, but Kurt, we don't want to take too much of your time, man. We're we're going on an hour and a half now, so uh, you just kind of want to plug everybody that's listening to this podcast. Party knows who you are, but uh, plug it anyway, man. What you guys are doing? 
Yeah, man. Working class bow hunter podcast. We're available anywhere you find podcast, uh, jury outdoors, deer cast, uh, waypoint podcast network. We have a firearm podcast that just launched called the victory drive. That's on its own feed. Um, and waypoint as well. Um, that launches, um, I think, damn, I forget what day he's launching them, but it's all firearm, military, police, tactical related. We just launched a fishing podcast called tackle and tacos, um, and that goes out every Taco Tuesday, of course. Um, we have our sub-series, Working Class on DeerCast, we just talked about, and another series called The CC Hunt Files, hosted by Clint Casper, and that's like pretty much, it's mostly focused on the Midwestern guy going west, but uh, Clint talks with a lot of his Western connections and just kind of like inside the brain, the ADHD brain of Clint Casper is that series. <laughs> yeah, got to give an extra shout out to him. I love Clint, man. He's a great dude. Yeah, so we're kind of, we're kind of growing into uh, more of a network. Um, we got some podcasts under the WCB umbrella, um, but it's exciting stuff. They're all with our, you know, Antler Mike stamp of approval. That's awesome, dude. I can't wait to see you know what you guys do even in the next five years. I think it's just gonna be absolutely freaking amazing, dude. Thanks, man. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I'm Kurt. I appreciate you, man. Everything you've done. You guys have changed the industry. You're one of those guys, man. It's like hunting public did it in their way. You guys have done the podcast in your way, and uh, if it wasn't for you, the hunting industry wouldn't be the same. So, gotta give you a shout out for that. Well, I appreciate that a ton, man. That's like one of the biggest compliments. I think I could get, and uh, no, I appreciate you guys just being so awesome to us and supporting what we do, and it's cool watching you guys grow and kind of like find your groove, so um, I'll be paying attention, man, so I I appreciate it a ton. All right, Kurt, man. Appreciate it, man. Uh, We'll stay in touch, so until next time. Yep, thanks, Kurt. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.